Je souhaite que vous aimez mes chansons et dansez quand vous l'écoutez. Et je souhaite que vous me comprendez, mais je sais ce n'est pas vrai. Hello everyone and welcome to Cast in Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and if I don't sound amused, it's because morality machine numbers are the lowest I've ever seen them. Right now, we are at 103. 103, okay? You know, I am disgusted that we are this low. I'm thankful that we're all still alive. But hopefully, when you hear this, you will start doing good in the world because we are all going to die if you don't. Okay, and with that, we begin our show. Um, thank you for all writing into us. We, we have a lot of emails to get through, so let me introduce my co-hosts, and then we can dive right in. This right here next to me is Mr. Rory Sinjin. Hello, Jordan. Um, should we be a little more concerned that it's at 103? I mean, that's very low. I know, and I'm very concerned. I'm very, very concerned. I'm very upset at the world. I'm pissed off, frankly. You know, I mean, shouldn't we do something... I mean, that guy said, now we can't turn it off. I mean, obviously we couldn't turn it off anyway, and it would have blown up if we had, but it's getting awful low, and I'm a little worried that we're going to destroy the world. That's what you should be worried about. Why are you being unhelpful? You should be trying to bring the numbers up, then. Um, how can I do that? Scape, would you like some moist food? Yes, of course I would. <laughs> how did you know? Um, that's my cat, Scape. Uh, I was about to introduce him, Roy. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Let me introduce dear listeners who I care about so much. And by the way, each of you is important in it as an individual, and each of you has is a worthwhile person and should, should feel good about yourself and do good in the world. Anyway, all of you, I'd like you to meet Scape, who's a very good person as well, even though he's not a person, he's a cat. I'd like you to meet him, and I'm going to give him some moist food in order to make his life better. Scape, your life would be better if you had moist food, wouldn't it be? Yes, of course it would. My life is always better with moist food. If I have a choice between moist food and no moist food, one of them is a good thing, the other one is a bad thing. And the one that's a good thing is the moist food. All right, so I'd be doing good in the world, yes? That's, I mean, that's questionable, because I give him, I mean, that he he might be getting overfed if you do that. But would he or not? I need to know, I didn't want to do the wrong thing. If this is something that's going to bring the numbers down, I don't want to do it's it. It's not going to bring numbers down. It's going to bring my happiness up. I don't know. Rory, I don't know. You know, I don't know the context. I'm not sure. How, when was the last time you had moist foods, Gabe? It was too long. Oh, my God. It was so long ago. I, I'm feeling awful weak, actually, Dad. I feel like I'm going to faint. You have dry food, so there's no reason for you to faint. You you should have enough food in general. Look, I'm just going to give him the food. As lo- I mean, should I give him the food or not? That's up to you. Look, the, that's this is what I'm talking about. Ugh. If everybody is just a little nicer all the time, we wouldn't be faced with this... Per- okay, forget it. You know what? Forget it. I don't want to talk about the stupid morality machine. Well, what else are we going to talk about, Jordan? It's the most important thing in the world right now. It's going to blow everyone up. Well, hopefully it's not. But yeah, it might. Well, that's a big deal. Look, I... Can we... Okay, we got an awful lot of letters. Uh, and I, when I say an awful lot, I mean a good lot. A good lot. But a lot, nonetheless. And that's good, so we have to get into them. Uh, write into us at castinwax at gmail.com. We love getting letters, and we love dealing with letters and talking about what letters suggest to us. Now, we we got uh, possibly a record number of letters this time. Rory, can you read this first one? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, I would be happy to, Jordan. Anything you need from me, you just ask, and I will do it for you, because you're my friend and I care about Okay, okay, okay. Get on with it. Just... Don't kiss my ass. Well, you know, I'm just saying, you are a good friend. So just read the letter. Fine. 
Dear Jordan, as long-time head of an orphanage, I had become very frustrated and bitter in regards to the world. My job consisted of trying to stretch a shrinking budget to feed, clothe, and provide for a wide spectrum of children that were generally unmarketable to the average prospective adoptive parent due to age and or health and learning disabilities. I was at my wit's end, up until I heard your podcast by chance, and it renewed my faith in my cause. Good, thank you. Fine. Somebody who is feeling good about things. You said that people need to help other people, and that Ayn Rand is bad. I was inspired. I care deeply about helping other people, and I have never heard of this Ayn Rand character, so I thought long and hard and came to a brilliant conclusion. While there isn't a high demand for a whole child, there is a huge need for components of children. Instead of trying to push a 15-year-old child that was born addicted to crack on a family that really wanted a healthy, newborn child, I should divide that child up into its essential parts. That way, a single child could enrich the lives of many through organ donation. It saves me money as well, because organs on ice don't need to eat or adhere to any sort of nutritional guidelines. I can then take the money that would be normally spent on feeding orphans and donate it to an acceptable charity. Perhaps use it to feed children in a third world country or something. Thank you, Mr. White. I had been really exhausted with the world's indifference for some time and needed a way to change it for the better. I never would have thought to do this had I not heard your inspirational context. Sincerely, Darla Nettles, Sweetwater Orphanage. No, that is not, this is not how it is. You're killing a child. Whether you're saving 15, that's what I remember how I say there's a, there's a weighing of things. The one killing of the child is not worth the 15 savings in that respect, because you're just murdering, you're outright, like this, you're disgusting. Police, if you are, I know that some police officers do listen to this show. Police, arrest this woman. She's clearly a horrible and possibly psychotic person. You are an evil human being. Oh, and great. Just reading that out loud to us here, the numbers have gone down. Now we're at, what are we at? Oh, we're under 100. The number's at 97, friends. The number is at 97, just because we read this letter. Well, then I'm not going to read any more letters. No, it's, I mean, the letter was already written, so it's not your fault. Yes, but I just, I don't want to bring the number down. No, it's, I mean, there's other things happening in the world, too, and clearly, on average, they're a little worse right now. So the the letter probably contributed. Well, then I'm not going to read another letter. That's ridiculous. Jordan, we have to do nice things. Let's stop doing the podcast. Go out and help with charity. I don't want the world to blow up. Rory, we have an obligation to our listeners. If we don't do this, we're breaking a promise, which would bring the numbers down. That's not fair! No, it's not, but okay. Uh, Scape, did you have any thought on this letter? Oh, uh, well, uh, oh, she wants to cut up little kids? Yeah, I mean, that's what she's saying. She's saying instead of taking care of little kids, she can cut them up and use them to take care of other people. Well, like how? Like they would eat them? No, I no, I don't think they would eat them. That's another good point. You, you don't just, you can't just chop children up and, and save their organs on ice. The organs have to be alive, apparently, when you when you harvest them. So I, I don't think they just keep on ice. You'd have to have the donors waiting. And even if you set that up, I don't think you should do this. Uh, that's a terrible thing to do. Oh my, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Let's go to the next letter. I'm not reading another letter. Well, Fine, I'll read the next letter. No, it's still going to bring the numbers down. What if it's about good things? Sometimes people write in about good things. Well, I, I, I hope that you're right. Well, I hope I am too, but... Uh, all right, well, this one is from someone we talked to last episode, so uh, hopefully things are going better for her. Uh, Dear Jordan, thank you for answering my questions on your last podcast regarding our recent requests from criminals to help place them in legitimate work settings. I agree completely that these people should pay for their crimes, but I assumed since that you had advised him to find a legitimate job that the machine would favor us helping them to contribute to society. But I appreciate your clarification and following my original instincts have called the police about the people whose names we have and have notified the rest of our staff that this is our policy. 
Of course, we will help these individuals if and when they are released from prison, if they are eligible for our services and want our assistance after we have called the police on them. You never address the issue of the iPad apps, though. I bring it up again because you discussed last week the lack of news coverage about the machine, and I also find this alarming. The only way my colleagues and I knew about this is through your podcast, but come to think of it, we have not seen anything in the news. This fact, combined with the lack of availability of the app to people below a certain income bracket, concerns me, and I would love to hear your thoughts, assuming, that is, we are both alive to read and hear this this time next week. Kind regards, Maggie Milano. Now, okay, thank you, Maggie, for writing back in. Excellent. I'm sure that uh, this will be good for you. You'll be helping them go to prison and serve their debt to society, and when they come out, they'll be thankful for it. But regarding the iPad apps, I, I again, I, I have it for iPod because I have an iPod, and I have a, an iPad as well. But I'm sure there, so I, like, again, I put the source code out there. I put the, the, the availability of the number out there. So there's probably an Android app. I'm sure somebody's made one. And for all those other things. And there should be a website. I, like I said, I've said this many times. I've been providing the number for free to the government. If the government of each country is not setting up a, a, a center where you can check your index, I, that, I don't know why that is. Okay, that's a bit horrifying, but I did provide it to them, free of charge. Again, I, I mean, I'm not trying to make money off this morality machine. I'm trying to make the world a better place. And failing miserably. No, I wouldn't say we're failing miserably. Why would you even say that? Because look, the number's at 83. Well, okay, the number is dropping pretty steadily at this... Okay, no, 82. 82. 82. Now it's going down even more. Right, well, okay, so... But that doesn't mean I'm I'm making the world a worse place. No, but it means the world is a worse place now than it was when you started. Well, that's not my fault. That's everybody That's everybody else's fault. Okay, Scape, let's talk about uh, this letter. What do you think of this one? Dad, I don't... Come on, Dad. I don't pay attention to these letters. I don't particularly have an interest in any of these things. Do you not understand this morality machine thing? It's a kind of a big deal. No, I don't know what it is about. Well, let me explain it to you. There's a machine... You know what a machine is? Right, a computer. Right. So there's a computer that watches everything and listens to everything. So it has really good ears and eyes. I have pretty good eyes and ears, but that sounds better. Yes, it is. It's better. Because it can see you, like, you know when you're hiding and nobody can see you? Yeah. This computer can see you. No! Yeah, it can. That's not, that's not possible. You already said no one can see me. Yeah, but this computer is so sneaky, you don't know anyone seeing you, but it's seeing you. Oh. Is it really good at hiding, too? Is that what it is? Sure. Um, why not? But the point is, it sees everything that everyone does. And it says, in its brain, it, it thinks about whether everything that's done is good or bad. Okay. And then when you're good, it gives you moist food. No. No. What it is is, well, I mean, it, it, look, it is watching you at all times, but it's not judging what you're doing. Okay, so I don't, why should I care? Well, because there's more to it than that. It's judging everything people are doing, human beings, okay? And every time a human being does anything, it... It gives it a number. Okay, so it's just like one, two, three, four. It counts every fifth. No, no, no. It's not count. It's not giving it a number consecutively. It's giving it a number based on whether it's good or bad. And if it's good, if it's a very good thing, it has a really high number. And it's a very bad thing, it has a very low number. Into the negative numbers. What's a negative number? Hmm. What's a negative number? That's a that's a really complicated one. I don't know how. Okay. So you know how like if you have one thing. Okay. Like imagine you had one treaty. Okay. Now imagine. If I took away one treaty, you'd have zero treaties, right? Yeah. Uh, give it back. No, I mean, okay, if you ate it, you'd have zero. Well, I'd have one in my belly. Right. But you'd have zero left. <sighs> so imagine one less than zero. How do I do that? Well, I, I don't know. Like, Okay, like imagine there's two cats, and they each need a treaty, but there's only one treaty. No, that doesn't. I would eat the treaty before the other cat does. No, yeah, that's not going to work. Negative one, negative one treaty would be like, not only is there no treaties, there's one less than no treaties. So like the first treaty I give you, it will just bring it to zero. 
Yeah, that's, you're talking gibberish. That's, if you gave me one treaty, I would have one treaty. I could not have zero after you gave me one, except after I eat it. Okay, then imagine this. Your belly has space for one treaty. That's negative one treaty. So if I give you one treaty, you'll have zero treaties because you'll eat it immediately. Okay. So then if I gave you another treaty, then you'd have one treaty. No, because I would eat that one too. Fine. Well, then that would mean that you had negative two. Like the point is, however many treaties you can fit in your stomach, that means right now you have negative that many treaties. And if I fed you all those treaties and then I gave you one more, then you'd be at one. I would still keep eating. I would never stop that. Okay. The... (sighs) Fine. Forget numbers. Everything that everyone does, it watches what they do, and if more bad things and worse bad things are done, then there are good things and the, and the quality of the good things. The world will blow up. That's what I'm trying to get to. The world will blow up. Everyone will die, including you. Even though you're not part of it, you will still die. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? Well, I don't know. We're at 80 now. So maybe the numbers keep going down. Which is a very big problem. I know it's a problem. I'm working on it. Thank you for writing in, Maggie Milano. Do we have any more letters? Yes, of course we have more letters. Would you like to read the next one? No, I'm not reading any more of these letters. Fine, fine. Here's another one. Morality Machine. Dear Mr. White, it has come to my understanding that you have invented a machine which can destroy world completely. This is great accomplishment and vast achievement in field of science. I am interested in assuring your scientific recognition, which to you is due. Please be in touch to arrange information and detail of machine to very scientific achievement. Thank you. Anatoly Vasilievich Bodokine, Weapons Development Department, Army of the Russian Federation. No! No, I'm not giving the morality machine to the Army of Russia. I, I don't think there should be any armies. Well, why not? Because armies are bad! Because they, at the at the best, they're a necessary evil. But they're still an evil. It's a terrible thing that we do any of these things. Oh, I'm not giving you my weapons, Anatoly. You're terrible. People are pissing me off. Look, the number's going down now. Apparently, Russia is plotting to blow up the world, or threaten to, which is bringing the number down. Well, Jordan, you threatened to blow up the world, so if that brings the number down... That's not... When I do it, I'm trying to do it for everyone's good. And you don't think Russia's doing it for everyone's good? Well, no. No, I don't. Well, fine, but that doesn't mean... I think the number goes down when you do it as well. No, I don't think it does. Watch this. Guys, if you don't start shaping up, I'm gonna blow up the world. See, the number went down! No, that's not... But it's... You don't... But we don't know that it's because I... Alright, I'm reading the next... I'm just getting another email. Are you really sure you should be doing this? We're in the 50s now! Some of these emails are going to bring it up. I'm sure of it. Okay, here is one called The Amorality of False Advertising. Great. Dear... D. White Apps Incorporated. Thank you for your response to my blowing up New York ruse. This is the guy who... It's ruse? It was quite revealing. In actuality, I had purchased your Sim Morality Machine app from the App Store and immediately suspected it was not living up to its promise of giving accurate, simulated point estimations for the Morality Machine. But there's a big difference between suspecting app fraud and proving it, so I appreciate you forgetting yourself in your anger and admitting that the Sim Morality Machine does not follow through on its advertised capabilities. Given that you are all for improving the world's morality score, I have no doubt that you will want to refund my 99 cents immediately, along with anyone else who is dissatisfied with the program. Sincerely, David Nader. P.S. I know that the comic came first. I was just joshing you. Mr. Nader, you are a huge douche. Okay, first of all, you lied to me, bringing the number down. That's why the number went down, but it did go down. Second of all, you debating me about Watchmen. Watchmen is a great comic book and the worst film. And you did all this for 99 cents. Yes, you can have your 99 cents back. I, I told you I made the app free. Now it's free to everyone. So everybody's going to get a refund of their stupid 99 cents. I, I'm not in it for the money. Point was that you could use the app to try to... Uh, 
I don't even know why I'm explaining myself to you guys. Because you want the number to go up. It's in the 40s now, Jordan. We're at 45. Can you please just say nice things to this gentleman? No, because he's a jerk. He Listen, he keeps going out of his way to jerk me around for absolutely no reason. He does this entirely elaborate ruse about blowing up New York City, which thankfully I'm glad to hear it's not going to happen because, again, I do live there. As do all of us here. Well, perhaps New York City is not blowing up on its own, but the entire world's going to blow up if we don't do something quick. I'm sure the number is going to go, it's going to come up. Like, can we just, can we just get through these letters? We've got so many letters left. I just want Can't you do something nice first? You know, say something good to the listeners. Listeners, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm in such a bad mood. I, you know, I'm just aggravated about this whole morality machine ordeal. Um, you know, I, I do appreciate you all. Uh, I thank you for listening, and I, you know, I do care about you, provided that you are good more than you're bad. And if you're not, then I do think that you all deserve to die. Jordan, that's not going. To, that's a, then we're at forty-three now. No, we're at forty-one now. Oh my God, Rory! I just, I, I have to tell the truth. If I lie, that's going to bring it down even faster. Is no one in the entire world doing anything nice right now? I don't know. I don't know, Rory. I don't know. I don't know. Well, well somebody has to do something about this. This is ridiculous. I know it's. Look, okay. <sighs> Calm down. Everything is going to be all right one way or another, Rory. Yes, but the other way is we all die. Yes, but all right. I'm, you know what? Let's. You're right. Let's move on to the rest of the show. We've got serials to do. Um, Charles wrote into us for the serials, as he always does. Will you at least read his email for, for us, Rory? Fine. Like two peas in a podcast. Dear Jordan, so I heard what you said about how I didn't need to disband the vigilante group and I could have put it to some greater use instead. I guess I didn't think of that, but it's a pretty good idea. I tried it for a while, and the Binghamton Bruisers turned into a mentoring group to teach illiterate people how to read instead of a vigilante group. See? People doing nice things. People doing... And the numbers are going... Well, they went up... Well, okay, no, it went back down. But it went up for a second. I don't I don't like this, Jordan. I don't like this at all. Just Okay, let's just continue the, the email. Uh, things went pretty well. Uh, Lou is still dead... But his parents and brother joined and finally found peace with the loss of their family member in the knowledge that he had contributed something useful to society before his demise. Stella's dad let her move back, and so she and Horace quickly got married. Fritz made a full recovery, of course. Judy gave up her life on the street to rejoin, and Gordon has finally realized his importance to society and as a person, and has stopped squandering every last penny on gambling. We even had a bunch of people who we taught to read chip in and build a community center for us that includes a library, a soup kitchen, and employment resources. But then we heard how the world was probably going to end and realized that none of it would matter anyway, so we just said screw it. Fun while it lasted, though. What? Anyway, we still have a couple of radio episodes for you in case you happen to get this while the world still exists. Enjoy, Charles. Charles! You, 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 you had it. You had what I was trying to get. You were doing nice things. Everyone was getting better. And now you gave up because uh, that's how you save the world. That's not, that's not how you, that's not what you, you don't just see the numbers are going down and just, I, 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 we're getting awfully low now. I know, look, I know, Rory. I know. Charles, you got to get this group back together. You guys could have saved everything. You know, I mean, that was exactly the sort of thing that we were looking for to have happening. People putting their efforts to good use, and now you've squandered it. Now you've ruined everything. Jordan, we're in the teens now. Rory, I know. Fine. All right? We're getting... Guys, okay, now we're at 10. Guys, the numbers are going down. So, Rory, I appreciate you as a host. It's not helping. And I'm so happy we're still doing how good it has been having you as a friend. And um, we're at six now. I, I can I can see that I can see that. What are we um, going still to do? lower? Are we go- okay, four. Um, okay, we're not going to do I'm, that. I'm trying. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Okay, two. Okay, two. And um, 
Rory, you're, you're <laughs> I love your accent. I, oh, God, one. Jordan, the numbers, the numbers are negative two now. I know. I know. The, num- the numbers, the numbers are negative four now. This is wonderful. No, this is really, really bad. No, this is great. The, it, the morality machine must have malfunctioned. We're not going to die. No, uh, you're not going to die because there was never any uh, actual chance the world was going to blow up. What? The, the, the morality machine was fake? Well, no. I mean, the, the morality machine was real. It was really watching everything everyone did, and it was really calculating the morality of everything everyone did, and it was really showing us that number, and we're really at negative eight now, but I wasn't actually hooked to nuclear devices that were going to blow up all around the world. I just said that in order to try to help the world, to try to make people, you know, want to want to help. I'm sorry? I was trying to, I was trying to do, use this, the, the, the promise of the stick. I was, I was saying, you know, be good or, or you're going to die, and the hope was that people would be good, and people weren't good. People were a bunch of douchebags, but that, I mean, that was the idea. So, so you put us all through that for nothing. Well, no, not for nothing, not for nothing. It was so that everyone could be better. It was so that everything could be improved, but it didn't, you know, it didn't work out. I thought people were better than they actually are, I guess. I guess mankind deserves to die, even though I can't be the one to actually blow it up and pull the trigger right now. What? No, mankind does not deserve to die. We're, it, it's glorious. It's wonderful. We're alive. Yes, but we're alive because I didn't really blow up the world, and the numbers are still really low. You know, that means that it's still a really negative world. Well, Jordan, every time you talked about the morality machine, wasn't that lying? Yeah, but it was outweighed by... I, you know, this is ridiculous. You lied to everyone. Everyone should be very mad at you. Well, that's fine. I'm very mad at everyone. This is stupid world. You know, Jordan, I'm sorry. <laughs> I actually can't stay mad. I'm just thrilled to be alive. I feel wonderful. I feel like a rush, you know, a rush of joy, because I really, I really thought we were all going to die just then. Escape. Do you, would you like some moist food? I will give you some moist food for real this time. Yeah, I want some moist food for real this time. Let's, let's go. I'll, let's go over there. I'll give you some. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's go. Well, guys, it's the middle of the show. Jordan, everyone deserves to be able to celebrate at this point because the world is existing. It's a beautiful, wonderful place. And I, for one, am, am thrilled to be a part of it. I'm proud to be a human being. I'm proud to be alive. And I'm proud to get nice food. Yum, yum, yum. Give it to your world. All right, here we go. Here we go. It's, in, it's in here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know how you can feel that way. Um, you know, I, I, I just feel like ashamed of all of you out there, frankly. So, you know what? Forget it. Let's just go to the cereals. What we have this week, a Nathan Van Etten and a Slam Jackson. So, here, here, listen to these, see what you think. Lessons from the life of Nathan Van Etten by Pete Bowers and Charles Berman. Episode 7. Charity Chastises Nathan Van Etten. 
Nothing makes reading quite so pleasurable as the printed word on a page. People have been enjoying the pleasures offered by reading ever since people started writing. Perhaps the best venue for taking in some reading in the fresh air is the outdoors. There is nothing that depicts the world around us so pictorially as the visual art. People have been enjoying art since people started arting. And there is no better way to combine art with reading than with a comic book. And one person who has never before combined either of these things with the outdoors is Nathan Van Etten. Hi, boring man in my head! Hi, Nathan. Enjoying the sun on this fine day, I see? Have you found the placidity that reading under the shade of the bower of a mighty oak can provide? Placidity? What's that? Can you get a shot for it? I'm too anxious to learn new words! Here's a new word, Nathan. Never mind. I I think that's technically two words. Three if you count my name, though I don't know if we should since you can't use it in Scrabble. Never mind. I mean, let's move on to something else, Nathan. Just as momentarily, I will be moving on to Dwarf Star Comics. I just have to wait another five hours or so for the line to die down so I can get in and buy volume 14 of Brigadier Boom and Sparkplug. Harvey Ballad, creator, illustrator, writer, and editor is going to be there signing every copy. I'm so excited I had to bring six pairs of pants. You'd be excited too if it was, well, I don't know, something lame. Ah, there is no more collectible venue for a famous person's signature than his autograph. But Nathan, why do you have to wait for the line to die down? Surely the best way to have gotten a spot at the beginning of the line would have been to have arrived before the people started waiting. Don't be contiguous. Nathan, do you know what contiguous means? No! Now stop being so contiguous, guy who I'm not even sure is real. I didn't have the time to come early because I had to read the first 13 volumes of Brigadier Boom and Sparkplug to see if I liked them. Attention, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for your interest in this Brigadier Boom signing. Our special guests will be signing autographs for another five minutes or so, as we only have limited copies left in stock. Oh, again, cursed fate! I was so focused on the line, stock. I didn't Once notice again. that it was moving! I must get that autograph! But Nathan, the line... No time now, booming voice! I noticed the store has a window. And you know what they say, when God puts a line at the door, he gives you a window to sneak in. Who says... Oh, never mind. Oh, perfect! Just like Mrs. Fantastic. As clearly as an open window, this window is open. Ow! I heard my coccyx! <laughs> coccyx. Okay, now to the front of the line. I need a distraction. Hey, everybody! Isn't that Stan Lee? Uh, no, actually, my name's Mary. Look! Somebody who might resemble Stan Lee! If he dressed like a girl! And was Asian! Hey, I'm not Asian! And blam! Front of the line! Excuse me, young man. I believe I was next in line. How observant! And you still are! I'll be out of your way in just a moment. Listen here, young man. I saw you break and enter through that window. I'll have you know I bought a cellular phone, and if you don't go to the back of the line, I'll call the police on you. The police? Well, how long do you think it'll take before they come? I, I don't know. Five minutes. The station is right down the street. Perfect. In the meantime, I'll get my signed Brigadier Boom and Spark Plug. Well, looks like you bought the last one. How should I sign it? Well, I hadn't really given it much thought, but how about... 
<clears throat> to Nathan, my oldest and dearest friend, who has been the inspiration for my work and without whom I would be nothing. A poor slob with no literary or math or artistic talent, forced to beg for food and scrounging up what I could by playing Settlers of Catan for money, but not knowing how to play because you wouldn't have been there to teach me, but if you had taught me... <laughs> just go on from there, it's a natural progression. Uh, how about just to my number one fan? It's like you're reading my mind! Okay. To my number... Excuse me, kind sir. Yeah? Did you say you were giving that burglar gentleman the last copy? Yeah. Oh, such a pity. I said it's such a pity. Why? Well, it's just that my son has leukemia and... Can I have my book now? I said, it's just that my son has leukemia and tuberculosis. And if we only had a few dollars to spare for food, we'd be able to go hungry so we could buy him some medicine. That doesn't make sense. But he can't work because of his gout. It's the gravy-borne disease. And I can't work because I'm an old lady. So we soldier on him with only Brigadier Boom and Sparkplug for solace, and me with only his solace and Brigadier Boom and Sparkplug for solace. Is there a point to this? I've been waiting three minutes for my book. And so the point is, if you would be so good, kind robbers, to let me have the last copy, you would bring so much Christmas joy into our... Um, lady, it's October. To me and my son. The only family I have, after the accident and the plague. Wow, she's like the Energizer Bunny. I know, that's my brand of battery too. Plus, you would look like so much less of a douchebag in front of your favorite author. Wow, do I look like a douchebag to you, comic book guy? Well, not gonna lie, but listen, if you let her have the freaking comic, it'll shut her up. And I'll let you clean out my car. Keep whatever you want. Rare Wendy's wrappers from before they changed the design. Whatever. Will you sign them? God, I hate these things. Yeah, sure. He said them. That is multiple signatures. You have cheated yourself, sad story lady. So, the comic is mine then? Yeah, whose name do I write then? Carol. For your son? Yes, I gave him a girly name. So what? To Carol. Yeah. I'm Carol. I don't have any children. And I'm not that old. I'm only 68. I get more comics this way. By Grandpa's hammer, I have been cheated. Okay, kid. Car's out back. And as we leave Nathan today, rooting through another man's car while the police approach, we are reminded that there is no feeling so giving as generosity. In these Listen, times of- gotta hurry this up, I've got the cops after me. I've learned never to give anybody anything no matter how much they need it. And always cut in line, especially if it's in front of an old lady. They're nothing but cheats and cons! And so we leave Nathan, running from the cops, and tightly gripping his signed fast food wrappers in his moist fists. Perhaps he will even have them framed by the time you join us next week for another lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten. In that lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten, the narrator was Jack Coonrad, 
Nathan Van Etten was Mickey Weishner, the store owner was Patrick McGuire, Mary was Lisa Paquette, Old Lady was Angela Tymon, and Harvey Ballard was Charles Berman. Hello, I'm Rory Sinjin. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. On May 2nd, 1933, although accounts of an aquatic beast living in Scotland's Loch Ness date back 1,500 years, the modern legend of the Loch Ness Monster is born when a sighting makes local news. The newspaper Inverness Courier related an account of a local couple who claimed to have seen an enormous animal rolling and plunging on the surface. Let's listen. Um, Bobby, are you sure we should be doing this? Uh, yeah, sure, babe. Don't you love me? Well, yeah, but if you loved me, wouldn't you wait? I can't wait for you. You're just too fine a woman. Well, I I guess. Honey! Honey! What's that thing rolling around in the sand? Oh, I. Oh, I. I don't know. It's huge. Oh, my dad. It's pulsing and... Uh, uh, oh, no. Oh, I. I, I who's your daddy now? I'd like to know. Nine months later. Um, Bobby, I think I have something to tell you. Yeah, lass, what's up? You know all that weight I gained? Meet your daughter. Oh, crap. Had they known that abstinence was the most effective form of birth control, the Loch Ness Monster would never have been born. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Haha, see that? I tricked you. My name is Roy Singer, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. You thought that those scared girls were seeing the two people having sex and thinking it was the Loch Ness Monster. That's not true. They just didn't know anything about sex because they were raised in a very sheltered environment. They didn't understand that two people who are, you know, naked and flopping around are probably having sex. What you were actually seeing was the birth of the Loch Ness Monster from many years before the thing that I told you was happening on this day. The fact is that Rob had been cursed by an evil witch many years before to say that if he had a child, it would turn into a deformed, hideous dinosaur beast. That's why he was so distressed to hear that he had a daughter. He was hoping that he had used pulling out you know, things like that. He didn't think he was going to have a baby, but he did have a baby, and that baby was a huge, hideous, deformed monster beast, as the witch had cursed him to have. His seed impregnated the woman with a baby that became the Loch Ness Monster, and a few days after Rob saw it and realized how hideous it was, he threw it in the water trying to kill it. Don't do this, by the way, that's not a good thing to do, but because of the monstrous nature of it, it already knew how to swim and breathe underwater and all these crazy things. Point is, make sure you have abstinence or else you will give birth to a monster. No, you probably won't, but abstinence is the surest way to make sure you don't have a baby. But, you know, there are other ways. Just look into them, you know, talk to someone. Get some education here. Come on. My name is Roy Singer, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Gaston Wax. Slam Jackson. Adventurist. By Charles Berman, Pete Bowers, and Daniel Schwartz. Episode 15, The Final Fracas. Our story opens with Slam Jackson, private investigator and famed adventurist. (sighs) Morning, world. Gamely awakening from his slumber for a fateful day of confrontation, foolishly ignoring the linen closet down the hall. Oh, hey, uh, 20 minutes before the alarm goes off. Do I get to the office early or sleep in? Heavy hangs the head that wears the hat that Slam Jackson would wear were he wearing a hat. His mind rolls with conflict over whether he shall- Oh god, right, uh, the appointment at 9.30. Better get up. Decisive commitment animating his every move, Slam Jackson's lithe form arises from the bed like a second beautiful sun, slipping its solar feet into slippers. As implacable as dawn does our dashing doer of things- Proceed down the hallway towards his bathroom, passing once again before that very linen closet. Water? 
vitamins. And now, teeth. Indeed! The dapper dentifrice of our darling dynamo gleams gloriously under the rapid resonance of his electronic toothbrush. How dolefully the universe trembles to know his dark destiny! Now shower. And the gorgeous Gandalf of goodness sheds his pajamas, stepping with the grace of a panther into the spray of water. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. How sweet the siren song of simple self-assurance our hero sings. How beautiful the bars our boy of bravado belts beatifically. Meanwhile, the door of his linen closet slides silently open. And now to start the day. His terry cloth bathrobe enfolding him like a mother's adoring caress. That japing jabberwocky of justice emerges from his bathroom, only to be confronted by his greatest nemesis of all. Me! Ow! Jesus Christ, what the hell? What the hell indeed, Slam Jackson! For at last, a page and a half into the episode, your true foe is revealed! What? This! God damn it! Who do you think lent the shenanigander those five bucks? Me! Who told that old guy what your trash day was? This guy! Who disclosed your phone number to your old math teacher? I! Who gave the Jamaican chicken jerk that recipe? Who directed air traffic control to dock the raffle waffle where your friend's plane was coming in? Surely you can see the pattern. Wait a minute. The dice at that D&D game. They must have been loaded. That was you? It is I who has no idea what you are talking about. But that is besides the point. Slam Jackson, your uppance has come! What? Ow! What's all this about? For weeks, Slam Jackson, I have followed you, painstakingly perusing the perils you prevent. Yeah, I get it. What are you doing? Hitting your stupid, perfect face with a chair! God, no, I mean, why? To make you use your super cool powers, of course! My what? With a name like Slam Jackson, I knew immediately that you possessed the kind of ultra-nifty superhuman abilities that would make for a thrilling and compelling narration. Each nemesis I have thrown against you has been specifically chosen to evoke these awesome capabilities. Were they? They were indeed. And yet, you have again and again thrown me off the scent with your dazzling array of talents and skills, never once throwing ice shards or mentally controlling llamas or any fascinating fantastic follies of any kind. It ends now, Slam Jackson! Reveal to me your secret behind your uncanny powers and what they are! I don't have any powers, you freaking loon! Wait, what? My mom couldn't spell. So when she filled out my birth certificate, she wrote Slamuel instead of Samuel. Look, it's on my driver's license, in my wallet. I'll get dressed. Dubious of our daring do-gooder's doubtful dispatch, I proceed immediately to his bureau, where I find the wallet, in which are his credit cards, some $32 in bills, and... Great googly moogly, it is as our hero states. Slamuel Alphonse Jackson? Look, just ignore the middle name. You see what I mean? What have I done? Stalked me for weeks, organized a prolonged campaign of harassment, and beat me with a folding chair. 
You speak the truth, voracious vociferator of victory. My deeds have brought trouble and strife upon you unceasingly for days on end. How my heart and soul micturate with remorse. Look, if you just stop and leave my apartment, I won't call the police. What gallant mercy our protagonist persists in proffering! I shall do more than stop, Slam Jackson! From this day forth, my unworthy body and mellifluent voice are yours to command! I shall cook your food, clean your house, narrate your exploits, and fold your socks into elaborate origami! Only say the word, gracious sir! You know what? I don't care. I have places to be. Just mop up the blood on the floor and have the kitchen clean by the time I get home, okay? The kayest of O's, my wonderful wizard of wonderfulness! And rain in the alliteration. Where's my coat? Alright, can I expect any crazy nonsense today? I had planned to finish you off by now. Good. I'll see you at six. Will he see me at six? Shall his kitchen be spotless? Will I be staying here, having no other residence? The answer to all of these questions is yes, but further escapades will no doubt abound in the next hyperbolic season of Slam Jackson! Adventurist! In that episode of Slam Jackson Adventurist, the narrator was Mickey Weishner, and Slam Jackson was Jair Kunrat. Blowing up the world, it seems, has really gotten awful tough. My world used to blow up daily, but now it's made of sterner stuff. I wanted just to save mankind. Sounds like a lot, I know, but still. That was the goal I would have reached if everyone would freaking chill. I'm so sorry to burden you by asking you to just be nice. That's too much work? Well, la-dee-da. I won't bother to ask you twice. The numbers all have bottomed out. Or no, not yet. They're dropping still through negative tens, hundreds, more. Will I see thousands? Yes, I will. Just do more good than you do bad. Was that really too much to ask? Are we so self-absorbed and dumb that we can't handle such a task? Well, fine. So be it. I relent. I can't blow up the world. I lied. But now I really wish I could, having seen mankind's darker side. Um, well. Wow. Uh, That is a, uh... What was that? It was a poem. That was a poem I just wrote during the serials, about how I feel. Well, it was terrible. Well, th- well, thanks a lot. Well, I didn't, you know, frankly, I didn't care. There's no reason for me to be nice to you other than because I feel like it. So, I don't. Um, you are an evil human being who tried to blow up the world. Well, I didn't. I threatened to blow up the world. That's fine. That's fine. That was an awful poem. You were an awful poet. Well, fine. I'm not a poet, so. Then why are you reading poetry? I, just because. Shut up. Because I'm upset. Right. All right. Well, um... Let's move on, shall we? I don't know. I mean, I guess. We've got a lot of letters, like you say. Yeah, all right, all right. Um, I guess we, ha- we have a couple about Frank Allen, right? Yes, um, including, I think, this first one in, in French. Oh, right, right, a French one. Um, I guess I'll read it. Uh, you don't speak French, right, right? Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> don't be ridiculous. All right, I'll, uh, I'll read it. Uh, Monsieur Sinjin A. White. Je m'appelle Jean-Claude et j'ai un restaurant à Marseille. Chez Jean-Claude, il est très célèbre, peut-être que vous le connaissez. Il y a deux semaines, j'ai embauché un monsieur de faire la plonge. C'était un monsieur sympathique qui avait besoin d'argent. Toutefois, euh, j'ai découvert 
un soir qu'il dort dans la cuisine depuis ces deux semaines et de plus qu'il vole de l'argent et de la nourriture. Comme vous pouvez imaginer, je m'en fâche beaucoup et je l'ai renvoyé. Il a laissé tomber son portefeuille et je trouvais que c'était Franck Allen. Il m'avait donné un nom différent et je n'ai pas reconnu son voix au début, mais je suis sûr que c'est votre Franck Allen. Je le trouve dégoûtant, mais je comprends que c'est votre ami et j'espère que je vous ai aidé de la trouver. Je suis grand fan de votre podcast. Si jamais vous êtes en France, il faut venir dîner chez Jean-Claude. Je serai très content de vous accueillir gratuit. Je pourrais même préparer quelque chose de poulet pour le petit Skippy. De plus, euh, si vous, auditeurs, voudrez dîner chez Jean-Claude, j'aimerais faire une remise de 15% sur l'addition si on fait mention de Casting Wax. Grand merci et bonne chance de chercher Monsieur Alain. Sincèrement, Jean-Claude Leblanc. Right, so uh, that was it in French. Do you, do you know what it means, Jean? Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, can't you figure it out? Well, all right, let me look. Um... I can go to a internet translators, um, translated from, let's see, French to, um, I mean, look, they've actually got quite a few. I can translate it from French to, you know, whatever, Portuguese, and then someone who speaks Portuguese. None of us speak Portuguese. Why would you do that? Well, oh, all right, yeah, I mean, I suppose none of us. All right, well, then I guess I'll translate it now to, um, English, from Portuguese to English. So. You translated it? To, why did you put it in? Because I, I was just, I was hitting the button. All oh, right. Anyway, look, I'll, I'll read what it says. Um, gentlemen, W.S. John and White, I call Jean-Claude and I have a restaurant in Marseille in Jean-Claude. He is very famous, perhaps that it knew it. It has two weeks me contracted mister to make dives it. He was likable mister who had money necessity. However, I have yesterday discovered night that sleeps in the kitchen since these two weeks and more than money and of the food flies. As it can imagine, I am become annoyed very and I returned it. It left fall in its wallet and I found that it was Frank Allen. Me, it had given a different name, and I did not recognize its voice to the beginning, but I am certain that it is your Frank Allen. I find it that disgust, but me, I understand that he is your friend, and I wait that I helped to find them it. I am great fan of yours podcast. If by chance it is in France, is necessary to come supper in Jean-Claude, it would be very contented to receive them gratuitous. It could exactly prepare something of chicken for the small scapy. Moreover, if your listeners want supper in Jean-Claude, me to like to make a 15% reduction of the addition if become mention of cast wax inside. Great debtor and good chance for looking Mr. Allen. Sincerely, Jean-Claude Leblanc. I, you know, I, I just... I don't know what you just said. Well, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I guess French people are not prone to talking sense, really. I, you know what, I... I'm gonna go. What? No, Jordan, you can't go. I can. I'm I'm upset about my entire stupid plot to make the world a better place has failed. Yes, so. but we've got a podcast to do. So I don't care. Just you guys do it. There's two of you. That's well. Fine. I I would think. I mean, I suppose we can handle it. But still, Dave, I'm gonna go. Don't uh, don't replace Rory with a robot. Don't become a dictator. I won't. Well, you did last time. Well, I won't this time, though. I won't. All right, I gotta go. I'll, I'll talk to you guys later. <sighs> oh. All right, well, Mr. LeBlanc, thank you for that thing that you said. What did he say? I don't know. He said something about chicken for you, though. I'll take it. You just had chicken. Yeah, but I said I would eat it a wrap. Uh, all right, well, thank you for, for that. Um, all right, 
We have another letter about um, Frank Allen from from Mr. Slam Jackson. Um, Dear Mr. Sinjin, as you know, I am back from the Extravagant World Tour. Apart from a few checks in your name, bounced for account closed, unable to locate, I have found no other signs of Frank. These checks actually seem like pretty good leads, but of course I can't follow up on them if you have put a stop on international travel, so I suppose I will have to investigate stateside. Also, I was disappointed in your attempts to kill alternate versions of me. I don't even understand why you had to break into my office to do it. On reconsideration, I would like some assurance that nothing like this will happen again before I can continue. Best, Slam Jackson, private investigator. Um, I'm sorry, Slam. It, the thing was, um, this gentleman called up and told me about what happened in the other universes where you were killing me and I was, you know, agitated and he said he could get me access to other Slam Jacksons from other realities and he could get me a key to your office and so I, I thought that seemed like a sensible way to go about things. Um, I apologize. I really do. I, I, it sounds like you and him have have met at this point and made up, so um, that's nice. But, um, yes, regarding going international, do you really have to? I mean, I suppose if it's absolutely necessary, but I didn't want to have to pay for more international travel if I don't have to. There was a guy in France who was talking about Frank Allen, though. No, is that what he said? Yeah, I think he said Frank Allen. He said it like a dumb French sound, but it was like, Frank Allen, you read it. Well, yes, I, I mean, yes, I saw the name Frank Allen, but I thought he was saying... Good riddance to Frank Allen, you know. No, you don't. You know that's not what he said. Well, I... But then, I don't... It's going to be very expensive to send him to France. But that's where Frank Allen is. We don't even know that, though. Rory, come on. Come on. Why do you want Frank Allen back? He was never nice to you. Well, that's true. But still, I... Look, Dad said he wanted Frank Allen back. Dad is the one who typically gives me food. I know you just gave me food. Yeah, I was going to say. Right, but come on. You've got lots of money. You don't even know when you lose money. You didn't even notice when he was spending your money. Well, that's because I, you know, yes, I have a lot of money, yes. So just help him out. He's your friend. So, so to speak. All right, fine. Mr. Slam Jackson, if you need to go across the sea again, you can go... Was that so hard? Well, it was pretty difficult, yes. I mean, you really don't know what you're asking. You know how much money this is going to cost? Like, ten or something. I don't know. It's going to cost more than ten. Wow, come on. It is. It's going to cost ten tens. More than that, even. Wow, okay, that's a lot. And it's going to be more than that, like I said. Okay, but how, but how much could it be? Is it enough that it would it would pay for two moist foods? Yes, it would pay for more. How much do you think moist food costs? Well, I assume it costs a lot because it's so good. No, no, it's impressively cheap. Moist food is like a dollar or something like that. Oh, so this couldn't be more than a dollar. It's good. Yes, it's going to cost more than it's going to cost more than many, 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 many dollars. Every one of those dollars could be a moist food. This is going to cost probably thousands of moist foods. Wow! What is what is he going to do with all that moist food? Well, I I don't think he's going to spend it on moist food. Oh, what's he going to spend it on? I I you'll have to ask him. Look, we've got some more emails to read. Um, we've got a few, in fact. This one is uh. For you, Scape, I believe. It says, um, Dear Jordan and Scapey... Uh, well, it's, it's sort of difficult to read because it has... It's written in a in a accent. Dear Jordan and Scapey, We agree with Scapey that his songs are better when he sings them. You are an okay singer, Jordan, but Scapey is the best widow and singer. 100% get it? Of us cats agree that the songs are better... When Scapey sings them, sincerely, Mushu, Max, Sassy, Sheba, Bastet, Peanut, Jasmine, and maybe Boo. Uh, I couldn't understand that. You, that's a really bad speech impediment you have, Rory. No, it wasn't my speech impediment. It was, these are cats writing into you, uh, and they're saying, and they, so they're using cat speech impediment. Cats are the worst! Ah, uh, 
All of you, I hate you. Thank you for your compliments. I hate you. They're, they're fans of your work. They're, they're calling you a good writer. I know. Thank you. But I hate you. You're cats. If you come here, I will kill you. You could not kill another cat. Oh, I could. Oh, really? Yeah. Then why is it that Boo is still around? Since you hate her and you don't want her in your house, why is she still alive? Well, uh, because I know that mom and dad would be sad if I killed her, so I don't. But believe you me, she knows... Her life is in my hands. I don't think she does. She does. Then let me ask you this. Why is it when I when I scratch your neck like this? Oh, yes, feels, th- okay. Well, why is it when I scratch your neck like this, I can feel the scabs from where she's cut what? you? No, 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 not because that's not about her. That's from that's from when I fight demons. Oh, did you not know that my day job is fighting demons? That's what I do for a living, okay? I fight demons for a living, okay? And people call me a liar. That's fascinating. I'm not lying. I fight demons. I don't believe you. All right, let's move on. Um, I think we had another letter for you, didn't we? Yes, right here. Uh, Dear Scape, I heard you like moist food a lot. That's dumb. Moist food makes me sick. Like, literally, every time I have it, I throw up. Why would you like something that leads to throwing up? That is so dumb. Dry food is awesome. Oliver. Oh, Oliver, you're dumb. You are so dumb because dry food is what makes me throw up. How about that? you think of that? Well, no, I don't think he did think of that, because I don't think it makes him throw up. Well, it should, because it, that's what it does. Moist food is what you can eat, and it tastes so good, okay? Like, how good? Ten. So good. Dry food is like, oh, I guess I'll eat this, because I'm hungry, and it's sitting here. Nom, 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 nom. Uh, I think I'm going to puke now. Blech. Okay, I got puked. I guess I'll eat some more dry food. Um, um, bleh. Um, um, bleh. That's the saga of dry food, okay? Moist food, this is how you do it. Hey, is that some moist food? Um, nom, nom, nom. Ah, the, the world is a good place now. I'm happy. That's how it is. So you're dumb, Oliver. Ken. Great, wonderful. Um, this is a letter here for Jordan. Um, well, he's not here, so I, I'll, you know, read it to us and we can make what we can of it. Uh, let's see. Dear Mr. White. Please find enclosed my new novel, Painful Ringings. In it, I have attempted to cross over Decker and Hayes with the diner in the most realistic way possible. I hope the Like Daughter and St. Red cameos will also satisfy you. I am exploring them in more detail in the sequel. If you feel this is too much, I think I can possibly cut out a hundred or so manuscript pages, bringing it to a total of about 650. What do you think? How about a serialized reading? Thanks, Jack G. Tompkins. Well, Jordan's not here, uh, so I, guess, I suppose it's up to us, Gabe. What do you think? Sure, I don't care. All right, um, sure, yes, we'd love to do a reading. Um, you're probably right. 650 pages sounds a little more reasonable, so see if you can cut it down and send it on into us. That's not a problem in the slightest. I'm sure Jordan will love the fact that someone is, you know, is enjoying his work so much that they're, they're working on his, his, uh, his ideas and his characters. The diner is not his, though. That, that does belong to someone else, just so you know. So you'll have to talk to Angela Tymon about that. But Decker and Hayes, I'm sure you're fine to use Decker and Hayes and Like Daughter and St. Red. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. If you want to, uh, you can use a cameo with by Rolito Dodoto. You can work that in. I will give you permission. Oh, that's very nice of you. So, yes, if you want to have a giant monster attack, Rolito Dodoto is available for your use as well. Um, so thank you for writing in, Jack. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, more letters, more letters. Uh, oh, here's another one. Uh, oh, this one is in, in Spanish. I don't, I don't, I can't even read this. Um, I suppose I'll try. Estimado Senor White, me gusta mucho su programa. Lo escucho cada semana. Creo que la, creo que las voces, creo que las voces de usted, de Rory Sinjin, de Frank Allen, cuando 
fue parte del programa y de su gato son maravillosas, pero tengo un problema grande. No comprendo lo que están diciendo. Van ustedes a hacer un programa en español. Gracias, Pedro Villaflores. I, I don't even know. I didn't. I probably sounded like a fool. I mean, I could translate it into French and then Jordan could read it. Um, but, well, but Jordan's not here, so I suppose I'll translate it um, from French to English then. Um, Estimated Mr. White, do you like much your program? He as Shicho each week. I believe that the voices of you, of Rory Sinjin, of Frank Allen when it belonged to the program, and of your cat, they are admirable. But you have a major problem. In step comprendo what is which Estan while saying. They make a Spanish program? Thank you, Pedro Villaflores. Uh, no, Pedro, they don't make a Spanish program, unfortunately. We only do the program in English. So, um, I'm afraid you're out of luck. I'm glad you like the sounds of our voices, though. Um, even though now we're just down to two of those voices. Escape, um, it's been a while since you've sang a song just that you made up on the spot. Why don't you do that right now? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Are you going to play the ukulele with it? Well, no, because I don't know how to play the ukulele, so... Well, you gotta... You, you should try. Well, I... I... All right, I suppose... <laughs> Like this? Well, okay, I guess. Yeah, just do that and and I'll, I'll do a song of it. This is the creepiest song. I'm gonna creep you out. This is the creepiest song. I'm gonna creep you out. What did you do, Roy? Well, I, I changed the chord because... No, no, that sounds terrible. That was ter- You had a good creepy chord and... Okay, forget it. Just put away the ukulele. All right. Okay, I'm going to just make up a song on the spot by myself. Solo, okay? A capella, as they say. Oh, you have studied a lot of music, haven't you? Yes. So, Jordan is gone. Do you know why Jordan is gone? It's because he's crying. Wah, 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 wah. He's such a baby, Jordan is gone. Do you know why Jordan is gone? It's cause he's crying like a baby. Like a baby. What a wuss he is. What a wuss he man. What a wuss he is. What a wuss, 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 wuss. I heard that. I'm not a wuss. Well, Dad, you are crying like a baby, aren't you? Well, no, technically I'm not actually crying like a baby. I'm just I'm just in the other room being pissed off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go cry to Mama. Bye, bye. Get out of here. It's our podcast now. Okay. So, you guys move letters, Rory? Um, yes, I do have one more. Uh, Rory, darling, I must apologize for Friday. I did try to get you a seat at the wedding, but you knew it was exclusive and the chances were slim. I hope you got a chance to visit the Abbey and were able to see it amidst the hubbub. Two, I am terribly sorry for missing your calls at the dinner. I had turned my ringer down not to be rude and did not get your messages until after. I certainly had put you on the guest list and hope you were able to resolve the situation. I did not see you at the dinner, but it was crowded, so I hope that does not mean you were unable to attend. It was splendid to hear from you after all this time, and I would cherish the chance to have tea just us. Please send my best to your mother. Warm regards, Imelda. Well, Imelda, uh, no, I was not able to resolve the situation. Uh, They asked me to leave, and I was forced to leave. 
So, um, for those of you who uh, don't know, there was a there was a wedding recently, kind of an important wedding in uh, in England. So. Oh, England! I went there one time. Yes, yes, you did. You did for my uh, for my mother's wedding. So your mother got married again? No, no. This time it was a a prince getting married, uh, Prince William. Did he marry your your mother? No, I'm saying no. Did he marry Thomas Edison? No, no. He married a woman, you know, that he's in love with, as far as I know. But I was not invited to the wedding, even though I work directly for the Queen, and I know her personally, and she's trying to steal my stepfather. Um, I was not invited to the wedding, so I tried to get in, I was not able to get in, so I thought I will try to get to the reception at the very least. I contacted my my ex-girlfriend, Imelda, um, and she said she would get me in, and then uh, they said my name was not on the list. So... I flew all the way to England for nothing. Well, you got to see your mother, right? No, I did not get to see my mother, because my mother, of course, was invited to the wedding and to the reception, and they were both in there at the time, uh, with Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison being a close personal friend of the Queen, and she wants him to be more. Of course, she invited him, and he was able to get them to give him a seat for my mother, even though they didn't want to originally. Uh, so I thought, I will see her there, but of course I did not see her there, and she stayed at the after party, and Thomas Edison's exclusive after-after party, which only had select members of the royal family, uh, the ones he likes best. So I was not invited to that either, um, because I apparently don't rate. Well, it's no big deal. Just a party. Who wants to go to a stupid party anyway? Well, I wanted to go to that stupid party, you know. But I was unable to... Don't worry about it. You worry too much. What are you going to do? Cry like a baby like Dad is doing? I'm not crying like a baby. Shut up, Dad. Okay, so thank you all for listening to Casting Wax. I thought I was I thought I thought was taking over the toast. Well, uh, okay, you you can do it. Thank you all for listening to Casting Wax. That's, we, we did get a lot of, of email. Um, I think that was all of it, right? Yes, it was. Um, but please write into us, castingwax at gmail.com, and we will... Read your letter. Um, my goodness, th- there was a lot. Oh, speaking of weddings, I don't know if we can actually do a podcast next week. Why? Oh, well, because, you know, I'll, I'll be out of town at another wedding. Uh, myself and Jordan are both invited, and of course his wife, are invited to um, the wedding of Mr. Daniel Schwartz and Angela Tymon, who are both, of course, friends of the show. So uh, we will we will be there. I don't, I don't think we can record next weekend. Well, I could record on my own. Well, <laughs> I mean, you, you can't. You don't have fingers, so... Oh, yeah. I can't have Jordan Robot do it. I'm not letting that robot in my house. No, that's totally not fair. It's his house, actually, so it actually is fair. But the point is, look, uh, we may not have a, a podcast next week, you know, especially since Jordan is not feeling up to it right now. Um, Why don't we say two weeks from now till the next episode, shall we? I guess. All right. Um, everyone, um, enjoy your, your week, your two weeks, and um, we'll, we'll be seeing you. <laughs>